All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Progressive Patriots. It's just me, it's just Leo today, but I'm going to be giving you a bit of a rundown of what's been going on in the world at large. So right now it is 2300 on Monday, December 11th, Arizona time. So who knows what what will have changed by the time this hits your fucking earballs, but let's get right into it. So here's a something that's um, pretty nuts. I remember hearing about this a lot when I was younger, at least uh, it, in part anyway. So on back in August of 2019, the Prime Minister of India, uh, Modi, he revoked Article 370 of the Indian Constitution, and that particular article is what granted the region known as Kashmir a semi-autonomous status like it has its own separate constitution and its own governance like the other states of india do but so like a this is really watered down really quick broad strokes little history of what this whole shit is in 1947 when britain decided to was leaving the the uh the indian colony they divided it into two segments, and that's Pakistan, which was the Muslim majority, and then India, the Hindu majority. The re- There's a little region in the middle called Kashmir uh, in the Hil- Himalayan mountains that was not – yeah, they didn't – it wasn't certain who was – where that was going to go. Uh, the UN at the time called for a referendum. In Kashmir, for the for the people of Kashmir to decide if they want to be a part of Pakistan or a part of India, but it never took place. So there was fighting uh, between India and Pakistan over the region, and it ended in a sort of stalemate. And they they both have a, a considerable portion of the region, like they like half and half, I, I suppose. Uh, so India, the Indian government granted like special permissions, special privileges to Kashmir as a sort of compromise for them to remain in India. Uh, unfortunately, the Indian government did not seem to kind of keep their promise uh, in that compromise. They, uh, throughout the years, they would remove local government officials that they didn't like and it happened so much that it came to the point in 1989 the people of the Kashmir region had a like revolted armed revolt they then they were looking to either unify with Pakistan or to become like for the Kashmir region to become fully independent which I'm not sure how they would have played that with Pakistan but there you go that's um that's really 20,000 foot level that's what that's what this whole thing is the Indian Supreme Court they ruled that article 370 was a temporary provision so removing it was not unconstitutional um, so this is going to divide that area into two federal territories known as Ladakh and uh, Jammu Kashmir they're going to be controlled directly by the federal government. They're not even going to have like a governor like other 
regions in India do. So this is the first time in uh, the history of India, which is really, really long, uh, that this like this kind of power has been taken from local governance and placed into the hands of the federal authorities. So um, the, the Kashmir has been contentious since uh, since the 40s, you know, when uh, when the British left the area. So I expect this is that it's going to pick up again. And Modi, being who he is, is going to squash this very harshly. So, yeah. Uh, moving to Myanmar. Uh, they have been in turmoil for a considerable number of years. Uh, as of recently, there is the... Another, you know, broad stroke of it is the the military government. I just so I just gonna refer to them as the junta versus the like the three brotherhood alliance, the three brothers alliance or whatever um, that are they're fighting for demo, like a democratic government of some kind, like a representation of it, of some kind, right? So th- they've been at war for a long time. And uh, China has brought these uh, groups to the table for peace talks. Yeah, the the three brotherhoods are represent the minority groups that exist in Myanmar. Um, they all reside in the northeast-ish area along the uh, Myanmar uh, Chinese border. So, interestingly enough, I think is that China maintains good relations with both sides of the conflict. Um, they have major trade agreements with the junta, and the, I guess the quote-unquote proper Myanmar economy, but they also do some uh, like soft power investments like we had talked about with the that uh, Indonesian um, bullet train. So they have those kinds of things in the regions that are controlled by the by the uh, militant re- uh, rebel groups, and um, so one thing is that the one of the groups that's being brought to the table, the People's Defense Force, um, they are they've given their assurances to um, not just China, but like in general, that they're going to protect you know, uh, investments that have been made into the, into their territories. Um, Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson Mao Ning. He, uh, I don't know if it's a he, I'm sorry. Uh, the official said, we believe that the de-escalation of the situation in Northern Myanmar conforms to all parties' interests and will help maintain peace and stability of the China-Myanmar border. Uh, It's um, another one of those soft power situations where uh, the the balance of that soft power is shifting, and I'll uh, get to a point on how that is playing out later. Uh... So something crazy. I didn't even I didn't know about this. I guess because it, who it's targeting, but there are like cybercrime farms in Myanmar, uh, where they're run by Chinese crime syndicates, 
uh, I don't know, triads and others. But they get they they lure Chinese citizens to come to Myanmar for for work of some kind. Uh, like the one example I was reading was a guy who was he was a he had worked in a restaurant. He was like a, a manager, like a head chef, you know, like somewhere up in the top with the cooking. Anyway, <clears throat> and he was lured to Myanmar to be like with the promise that he was going to be like teaching uh, Chinese cuisine preparation to people in Myanmar. But he instead got locked up into a cybercrime farm where he was coerced into running scams on other Chinese citizens to get them to like wire him money or invest in fake uh, uh, investment schemes, I guess Ponzi schemes, maybe I'm not sure if that's what it was exactly, but like you get the idea of what they were doing. Um, one of the other rebel factions, the Myanmar National Democratic Alliance Army, uh, one of their big push, big pushes is to get rid of these cybercrime farms um, that seem to be supported in part by the junta. And uh, but Beijing is embarrassed. That's the, the wording that I saw in the report anyway. That they're embarrassed by these cybercrime farms because it's, you know, Chinese citizens being essentially kidnapped, held hostage to fuck over other Chinese citizens. So, yeah, everybody fucking loses here. Um, uh, except the criminals, of course. But uh, we'll see. I'm going to... I didn't know that um, that was going on, so I guess it's something to keep an eye on. Um... Wow. I'm going to skip uh, Africa really quick so that we can get to the UK, uh, the deportation bill that they've been kicking around for the last few months. It's uh, so th this one, was it was formulated by Boris Johnson and it has been, you know, struck down, picked up throughout the intervening years. Until recently, uh, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has uh, made made pretty concerted efforts to get this thing going. So the idea of the UK's deportation plan is any migrants that were found to have entered the UK illegally after January 1st, 2023, will be deported to Rwanda. Uh, <laughs> pretty off the fucking wall uh, with with the choice there. Um, the Supreme Court of the UK, they blocked it, or they upheld a block uh, last month. Uh, in the ruling, it was that Rwanda's not a safe place to send these people, and if we send them home, um, they're typically fleeing persecution of some kind, so uh, there's not a whole lot of good places that we could send them. Or, well, uh, Rwanda is definitely not one of them. Um, what I thought was interesting was that the UK has had paid Rwanda 240 million pounds to participate in this. Um, with, um, thinking back on like what the, the hyperbole, the 
the lies, let's fucking be real here, the lies of Brexit that helped push Brexit over the finish line uh, was this exact type of shit. Uh, Sending money to you don't know where, you don't know why, and you get absolutely nothing in return. So thanks, Sunak. Awesome. Um, the his government is trying to pass some. Uh, they called it emergency legislation. I'm not sure what if that means something different in the context of UK parliamentary procedure. But you know, the emergency legislation to get this plan moving, uh, specifically overriding any laws that would prevent it nullifying the british parts of the british human rights act and uh the if there are any the like european courts on um like human rights issues and things like that which have also uh stepped in to block this movement because uk is still party to them uh they've made it such that they don't have to comply with these things and they can decide if they want to or not and to what degree they follow any rulings from any European courts Uh, some of the more hard right uh, politicians over there have been saying to get out of those um, arrangements with any European organization (sighs) so that's kind of fun um all right, uh, another one that I had. This was from a few days ago. Where the fuck is it? Uh, Putin, Vladimir Putin of Russia, and uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince and de facto head of state for Saudi Arabia. They will be at this point. I expect this taking place. I, I jotted this one down in uh, on the sixth, so it's more than likely happened by now. Uh, they met to discuss OPEC. The oil and gas um, coalition, I guess. Um, the co- the cooperation of Saudi Arabia and Russia on that, on OPEC. Uh, they talked about Gaza, Ukraine, and uh, other forms of economic cooperation. Um, there was, I remember reading that there was some, I don't know, some fuss of it, of uh Putin going to Saudi Arabia for the meeting, but uh, for whatever reason, he decided to go, and it looks like they will be meeting again, but it will be in Moscow this time. I cannot really think of any scenarios where those two being fucking bosom buddies is great for the U.S. I really don't. (laughs) Uh, So... We'll see what comes of that. Um, I'll, I didn't check into it. Honestly, there's so much shit. So fucking much. I didn't even stop to check to if there was any developments on that. Um, right. Oh, man. Let's do the president of Argentina. I want to say that I've already talked about this. I feel like I have. All right, I'm just I'm I'm gonna pretend that I have. Uh, if I haven't, let me know. Um, God 
Fucking fuck. Okay, so in this is an Israel-Palestine adjacent thing, but this is uh, specifically regarding the Houthi rebel rebels in uh, in Yemen, though, and they are uh, quite clearly like it, it's not even um, it's it's very obvious that they're supported by, funded by, and enabled by Iran. So. The, the, their participation here is uh, like you know who it's coming from. You know what I mean. Um, so the Houthis they attacked some ships on the third of December. Uh, there's a third one whose name I could not find, but the two that I did get were the Unity Explorer and the Number Nine. So the Unity Explorer is it flies Bahamas. Like I ended up uh, finding out that that the if it's not like a navy of, of a state's navy, what flag they fly doesn't fucking matter, apparently. So, but anyway, I, I jotted it down anyway. This one's flying Bahamas. It's owned by Unity Explorer Limited and managed by Dow Shipping. Uh, the number nine is uh, flies Panama, owned by number nine shipping, managed by Bernhard Schultz, Schulte Management. Regarding these attacks in particular, a U.S. military official press statement from, I believe this was from CENTCOM, uh, U.S. Central Command, they uh, oversee shit operations in the Middle East. Uh, let's see, what did he, what do they say? Uh, we also have every reason to believe that these attacks, while launched by the Houthis in Yemen, are fully enabled by Iran. Uh, the U.S. will consider all appropriate responses in full coordination with international allies and partners. Uh, there was uh, also a statement from the the in uh, a spokesman for the uh, Israeli military, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari. Um, I think that uh, he spoke up because there was a lot of uh, speculation that these were Israeli ships when it turns out that they weren't. So one ship. Uh, this is from uh, the rear admiral here. Uh, one ship was significantly damaged and it is in distress and apparently is in danger of sinking and another ship was lightly damaged. So not a whole lot of news there. Um, but there hasn't been any word from the Israeli government that I've seen that these do belong to Israel in some capacity. Doesn't seem like they do. Uh, but nonetheless, um, actually, there's a little bit of a development here on the 11th. Another one, another missile fire, fired by the Houthis from Yemen hit a commercial ship. It caused uh, a fire and damage, but there were no casualties. You know, it's a good thing there. Uh, this one, is, the ship is named the Strinda. It flies Norway, owned by a Norwegian company, Mauenkel Chemical Tankers, and it's managed by Hansa Tankers. Um, huh. The the cargo it had, I, I, don't, I don't know why they pointed it out, but I think it's interesting to note, I guess. To, it's a vegetable oil and biofuel, so like it's not a military target in any way. It makes this, um, this Houthi shit all the more aggravating. Like, dude, this is vegetable oil coming from Malaysia that's bound for Italy. <laughs> Why would you want to deprive the Italians of the the necessities for some delicious fucking pasta, bro? That's not a good good idea. Uh, so the Houthis, they called 
this and any attacks that they've been making, these are retribution for the suffering of Palestinians, and they're not going to stop until Israel leaves Gaza completely. So, doesn't seem like they are. Uh, speaking of which, uh, in Israel, I, this was on the 6th, the Israeli military uh, boots on the ground, they start pushing to the south, the southern part of the Gaza Strip. Um, they were headed to a city called Rafa, which is the only place that Palestinian civilians were told to go that was safe. Uh, <laughs> there's a statement from um, a Palestinian man uh, is that the, his, these are his words. His name is Samir Abu Ali. It's uh, the Israelis are lying. No place in Gaza is safe. And tomorrow they're going to come after us in Rafa. Uh, I expect that they already have been uh, continuing what they're already doing, which is like indiscriminate bombing uh, without any regard for the safety of non-combatants. On the 6th, the death count broke 16,000 people, 16,000 Palestinians. Yeah, it's one of those things that I don't, I really don't know what to say. Um, it, it hurts. It hurts me to read those numbers every day. Man, uh, Israel is using what are referred to as dumb bombs. Um, these are the types that don't have any sort of uh, GPS guidance so that you can be a lot more selective over, you know, who you're trying to hit. It's not going to be perfect, but, you know, it's better than nothing. It's better than this. It it, it really seems as though uh, the, the Israeli military, the Israeli government doesn't care uh, who they're hurting. I really do sympathize. Um, October 7th was a horrible, horrible event um anyone who thinks that's acceptable in any way is a fucking idiot and i have no desire to speak to that person anymore in any capacity uh that should go without saying i can't fucking stand how it's it's a uh, it's zero sum across the board you cannot you it's like you cannot be bothered by the suffering of Palestinian people if you are, you know, supporting the, the, uh, I don't, maybe supporting is not the right word, maybe like commiserating with the Israelis. And you can, if you are supporting and advocating for the safety of the Palestinian civilians, then you are. 100% against the safety of Israelis. It's fucking ridiculous. It's the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. Jesus fucking fuck. Like, yeah, um, actually, very pointed. Jesus would not like this one bit. He wouldn't like anybody hurting anybody here. I'm pretty sure that's what the dude was all about. I, uh, not gonna say I'm an expert, but I do, I am, uh, kind of read up on the on the guy so i don't know man maybe uh chill the fuck out uh so uh secretary of defense lloyd austin he gave 
uh, the weekend around the six. I I can't recall the day exactly. I'm sorry, uh, but he was he would have given a speech where he said the center of gravity is the civilian population, and if you drive them into the arms of the enemy, you replace a tactical victory with a strategic defeat. It seems that he he is the first high level at uh biden administration official to speak in this way uh to where he while he's not explicitly saying the israelis are you know their their plan of action here is not a good idea he's still saying that like this is not a good idea something like it's one of those like I'm not saying that your idea is bad. I'm just saying that ideas like yours are bad. Uh, it's, I don't know. Uh, it's, it was clever. It's worded cleverly, of course, but it seems like uh, government officials are starting to speak out more, which, which is good. It's good. Uh, I didn't look into it. I did see though that the, the U.S. on the U.N. Security Council. Uh, voted for like a UN resolution. Uh, they voted against a UN resolution for a ceasefire in in uh, in Gaza. Really, it's really telling. Uh, I, I think um, doesn't matter who you're like. I, I I fucking hate framing it this way, even. But it, it, whether you are sympathetic towards the Palestinians or Israelis because you're a moron and you look at it as a as a fucking binary choice either way people very strongly want the fighting to stop um, I think there is the the cultural consciousness is changing um, that it is such that you don't need I don't need anyone to tell me what's what is happening in Gaza I don't need it I don't need a fucking uh, a Rick fucking Rick Riley and the Channel 7 evening news to tell me anything I can look the shit up for myself and a lot of the old narratives that we were always given are not holding up anymore now that we're getting information from people directly on the ground directly from them this um i we talked about it last week on the u.s edition where there's um a lot of muslim groups in the u.s they're you know naturally sympathetic towards the palestinians and a lot of the actions of the federal government have been alienating them from wanting to continue to support uh, the Biden administration. This UN resolution shit is, uh, I think that's, uh, that might be the straw that breaks the, the camel's back. Um, but back to the statement from uh, Mr. Austin here. It's I I mentioned this before if you've ever heard if you've heard any of the older episodes you've heard me mention this exactly. I've worked in counterinsurgency. I was 
that's exactly what I did when I was in Afghanistan. And this, what he's saying here is exactly what the what counterinsurgency is fighting against. Um, I, if I had to do the the job I did in Afghanistan, if I had to do that, just hypothetical, if I was in the IDF trying to do that in Gaza, it'd be anything that I did would be fucking pointless. Anything, because I could take ten steps forward, and it just takes one stray bullet, one to hurt an old, like an elderly person, a a toddler, um, you know, just a woman going about her day as best she can. It just takes one fucking bullet to ruin everything. The, you know, the I said it before. I'm going to continue saying it. This is not. I I get that they're angry. That the Israeli government they're angry. Um, they're of course they are. Uh, a disgusting attack on innocent people of course you're upset you have every right to be you have every right to pursue the people who perpetrated that and you know let justice be yours you deserve that the the israeli people deserve that the palestinian people though who are not affiliated with hamas which is the overwhelming majority of them similarly don't deserve what's happening to them all of all that you're doing with this with this just brazen disregard for non-combatant safety is you are creating the next generation of terrorist that is exactly what you're doing um this isn't a conflict that's going to be solved with violence uh unless barring a complete eradication of the palestinians which is just that just saying that out loud makes me sick to my stomach um this isn't a situation that's going to be resolved with violence it's just not um i don't recall if i mentioned it here at any point i believe i have but there was a I don't know I don't remember where it came from I just remember hear, hearing it <clears throat> excuse me I just remember hearing it and it's um, a former Viet Cong fighter talking to I believe it was someone in Hamas and it's uh, he was the Viet Cong dude was advising the the Hamas militant person like you're look uh terrorism works sometimes it can work sometimes uh but there's a very big difference between what we did him being Viet Cong, what we did against the americans or the french because they eventually have to leave they eventually leave um but like the Israelis, they're not going anywhere. You're, you're not, you can't, you know, sit in your tunnels or whatever and try to outlast them. You can't. They're not going anywhere. They're always going to be next to you. And I, I want to 
say the same to the to the Israelis, man. Like you you can't you're not going to outlast them. And if you do, it's going to be because you're you are criminals and you're murdering people, you're starving them to death, dying of fucking dehydration, illnesses that could easily be prevented if you would let humanitarian aid get to the get to them. That's the only that's the only way you're going to outlast them is if you kill them, which doesn't it, I don't that's not outlasting anything. <sighs> Jesus fuck. This is horrible. I um this is hard. Uh, uh let me um I want to wrap up the uh the situation with with in uh, Palestine with this if you would like to help, if you can help, anything does help, lvx.at slash map, lvx.at slash map. If you can donate there, it would be a great help. Anything would help. Um, th that's the, the group is based out of the UK. They are, uh, it's the MAP, it's a, um, it's medical aid for Palestinians. That's what it stands for. So, uh, I got this one secondhand um, if from a from a different um, geopolitical podcast I listened to, and she was hearing this woman talk, and this was like a few weeks ago, maybe a month. Uh, hearing her talk about like her, not just her experiences, but the experiences of her. Uh, fellow doctors that are in Gaza trying to help it it's heartbreaking let alone what what we see what we see like on Twitter or whatever that's that is that's like the tip of the iceberg man these people need help they deserve help just as much as anyone else what what is happening to them they don't deserve um i know that the israeli people are not at fault for this you know just uh, like as a generalization they're not the ones that are make that are making these decisions to do this it's not their fault i hope in their you know their next elections that they do make the necessary ch changes to prevent this not only prevent this sort of like horrible horrible crimes against humanity that they're committing against the Palestinian people but also to prevent October 7th from ever happening again um there it was it's well documented that Netanyahu was very fond of having Hamas exists. They were they're an easy target, you know. They're a they're a lightning rod that will allow you to do whatever you want, or else Hamas is gonna get you. If I you don't let me do this, then Hamas is gonna get you. It's the same shit Republicans do all the time. So there you go. Um Afghanistan. We talked about the earthquake a while back. It was pretty rough. So a lot of the people in the region fled to Pakistan. 
uh, to the what the federal uh, autonomous tribal area or something, whatever the territory is on the west end of Pakistan that borders Afghanistan. But so the Pakistan government um, and they put into place a law that would allow like by, via bounty where you can where you can get paid pretty much to uh, target if you know of somebody who is a migrant from Afghanistan per uh, for example we'll say with very heavy quotations but you can report them to the authorities and you get paid for it um, the Pakistan the Pakistani government is saying this is not targeting any nationality um, which we all know is bullshit. Uh, so there's that. Uh, <laughs> um, but so far, 500,000 Afghans have left Pakistan because of this. Um, you know, rather than be forcefully removed, they're leaving on their own. Um, and given the time of the year, Traveling by foot in the area is not easy. Uh, Sub-freezing temperatures. There's little to no services that people need, like clean water, uh, medical supplies, hygiene supplies. A lot of the aid that goes into Afghanistan has been heavily curbed since the Taliban retook power in, I want to say, 2021. I believe it was August. Uh, anyway, so since there is considerably less humanitarian aid going into Afghanistan, a lot of that is being... The Taliban are kind of taking control of it and distributing it as they see fit. So there's two border crossings, Torkam and uh, Spin Boldak where representatives of the Taliban government are uh, passing, they're distributing food, water, they're giving uh, mobile phones to people so they can call, you know, whoever you need, whoever you can, uh, cold weather clothing and uh, money to pay for lodging, temporary lodging. But uh, the aid to Afghanistan has been cut severely and the amount of the aid that does get there being distributed to the people who need it is also cut pretty drastically. Um, so I looked around and I found what I think is a good organization. This is um, uh, International Rescue Committee. They, from what I can gather, uh, you know, you feel free to look into this or look into your own if you prefer. Uh, they're able to get supplies directly to the people who need them so if you can anything helps lvx.at slash afghan um it's a pretty easy one to remember just like lvx.at slash map for palestine um all right last thing before we get out of here in sudan this um I've been hearing a little bit about this since uh, 
since it started and uh we'll i'll get to that in a second but so there's a there's a war in sudan that's been going on since april it's the uh, the sudanese military versus the a an alliance of militias that is known as the rapid support force the the war is such that over 10,000 people at this point are dead 6.5 million people are have nowhere to go because of the destruction of this I don't I don't know if civil war is the right term but whatever we're going with that <clears throat> so the uh, yeah the Sudanese military they've been uh, dropping artillery mortars just ordnance in general on civilian targets because as they said it it's um the rapid support forces might be there <laughs> might that's uh that's what they went that's what they went with so that 10k 10,000 people dead that i listed was on uh, december 6th as of today the death toll is over 12,000 uh there were talks peace talks that were going to be hosted by saudi arabia and the u.s i think saudi arabia is going to be playing the lead on that but there has not been any progress the those talks that were set to go ahead were canceled because the military government refused to meet on the conditions of a permanent ceasefire and uh or as well as like that's for um the military people and the the rapid support forces withdrawing from khartoum this is the capital of sudan and also the R the rsf chief he only wanted to meet on the condition that the the chief of the armed forces his name is general abdel fatah al-burhan uh, he cannot attend as the head of state which is a kind of i don't know um I'm not sure. I, I expect, you know, he wants them to meet on equal footing. Um, but yeah. So he took, he sees that role. Like, um, Burhan has been the head of, the de facto head of state for Sudan since uh, tw 2019 when the RSF and his military removed Omar al Bashir. Um, the 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 what i'm about to describe to you is i want you to keep that in mind when i um just i i don't i don't know i'm just going to describe it to you and we'll see where we go from there so the rapid support forces they have been targeting an ethnic group known as the Masalit. So those, that ethnic group, the men are being taken and they are being dismembered 
while they are still alive. Yeah, they have their limbs cut the fuck off their bodies until they just until they die. They keep going till they're dead. Um, women and uh, young young girls are being gang raped, and sometimes are being shot afterwards. I um, it's hard to say if that's a mercy or not, but. that um, uh, I don't know I, I'm not sure what to what else there is to say about that it's it's horrible the capacity we have for destroying each other if you can lvx.at slash sudan you can give aid directly there every group that I that I've ever that I ever list with these I've looked into them pretty considerably. I encourage you to look into them as well. You know, d- uh, do not take my word for it. I want you to look into it as well. If you find something that you feel is better, please do. Uh, any Anything you can helps. Um, six and a half million people with nowhere to go. Young girls being gang raped. Men, boys being cut into pieces it's a uh, lvx.at slash sudan that will um that gets that'll get support directly to the people who need it all right uh let's fuck i can get this wrapped up so uh, you know what i'm gonna be honest with you i don't i don't really want to if you um if you go to lvxmedia.net, you can see all the other podcasts we're doing there. LVX Media Net, that's all the social media handles. Uh, if you want to join a group that helps, tries to push the U.S. government to do something about these things, lvx.at slash cdef, that's common defense. Um, just a reminder of the direct aid that you can give lvx.at slash sudan lvx.at slash map lvx.at slash afghan I have it set up still lvx.at slash ukraine and um, I haven't spoken on the issue yet but there still is an issue very similar to what I just described described in Sudan that's going on in the Congo. It's lvx.at slash Congo. Pretty straightforward. I I got I got nothing. Um if please if you can. If there's anything you can do. Please, please do. Please please be kind to each other. Nobody deserves this.